Welcome to Verdant North. Thanks for joining us on part two of Dan Hudson and Caroline Hallstrom's chat with gardener extraordinaire Jane Perone. If you missed the prior episode and if you don't know Jane Perone, she has a podcast called On the Ledge, which focuses largely on indoor gardening. She has also written for a number of gardening publications and was a reporter for The Guardian. You can listen to her show, read her blog, and find out more about her at janeperone.com. Grab a seat and something to keep yourself busy and listen to Jane Perone Part 2. Dan, did you had something you were itching to ask? Oh, yes. I actually have a question for you. So I'm looking to... My girlfriend and I have a very tall bedroom. It's probably at least 20 feet. Oh, my gosh. So, wow. And it's got... What are you living in? A, an extra? I think he's in a well or something so, at the bottom. Like, this, have, <laughs> Well, so the house, basically the attic, where, where it used to be an attic, they just took it all out and made oh, okay. it part incorporated into the rooms below. Is it like vaulted ceilings? No, I mean, it's just basically, it's like a sloped ceiling. That's, so it's okay, like, that's what... You're yeah. basically like looking at the roof kind of, so... But I've got it in my mind to grow a tree indoors <laughs> in that spot. And so obviously right. I was looking at, there's of course like the fiddle leaf figs, which have been, I guess, like a thing for a while. But I was wondering yep. if you have, if you have uh, any suggestions for good indoor trees. We'll don't talk get about a the light. Fig. What's that? Don't, don't get a fiddle leaf fig. Really? <laughs> okay. I mean, really. A, they are massively overexposed. I mean, like, everyone's got a fiddle leaf fig, yeah. right? So d- don't get a fiddle leaf fig is my advice. <laughs> They're also quite, like, I get so many questions from people about fiddle leaf figs. And I always say, <laughs> I don't have a fiddle leaf fig because I don't want to spend my life being tortured by a plant. And it's quite hard to, I mean, I don't know what they'd be like where you are, but, you know, they're not that easy. And they're quite expensive as well. Yeah, they are. Um, so I would go for something, I mean, you're going to be, if you want a plant that's going to be starting out, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to buy it at, say, six foot tall. That's going to be quite an investment. Yeah. If yeah. you're prepared to buy a smaller plant that will, grow bigger over time then that's another thing but i mean i would go for something like you could get a six foot tall ponytail palm Mm. Hmm. and that would look kind of groovy um or you could get a smaller ponytail palm and and that would grow to a decent size um you can get some some palms that will grow pretty big um Again, you've got to be a bit careful with what you choose there, but something like a Kentia palm would be would be really good. Um, are you, what else is are there? Are you sure you wouldn't want to do like a Monsterosa, Deliciosa, oh, and just let it grow we, as tall as it wants? Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. A Monstera Deliciosa would be really good yeah, because cool. they, that... I mean, I was just at um, a garden in the UK which has an amazing greenhouse called Wisley, and uh, they had uh, one of those Wisley. guys that was huge... Awesome. And they actually had a pothos, like, uh, I'm going to put this video up on YouTube. <laughs> and it really, I was just <laughs> laughing hysterically because you know how like pothos in, in when you're growing it as a houseplant, it's like a little dinky leaved kind yeah. of, you know. Right. Thing. It doesn't get This mature. sucker was like, it was like an a incredible monster <laughs> growing up this massive pollen. <laughs> and it just went on and on and on. It was like 30 foot tall and the oh. leaves were giant and it was just so awesome. That's so cool. I would say that's a good choice, actually. Are really tough as well. I like so that. Cool. You'd have That's to have awesome. something for it to climb up, though. What would you have to have? You got something for it to climb up? A uh, wall? I can throw something together. 
Or a ladder, like a cool yeah. ladder shelf. We do have yeah. a uh, spiral staircase. Oh my gosh, Dan, where do you live? <laughs> Are you in a grain I silo? That... <laughs> you sound like the set to some like movie. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty cool. The real world. According to Dan, it's like the Truman Show, but it's slower paced and there's trees. Dan's just been obsessed with trees trees recently. I am a fan. You know, actually, so my girlfriend and I were in London about a month ago. And I got a chance. Don't to go- ask me if I know somebody that you met. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't meet anyone. <laughs> when, I, when I remember when I was in Louisiana, people saying, oh, my my cousin lives in Leeds. Do you know them? They're called, like, <laughs> there's 55 million people in the country. Chances of me knowing your relative are very slim. You should or- totally just punk them, though, and be like, oh, yeah, we're not talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan. Sorry. Like well, the only reason why I passed my driving test was the fact that the driving test instructor spent all her time. This is how long ago it was uh, asking me about Prince Lady Die. Oh uh, my like, god! Oh, 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 my mother-in-law loves Lady Die stuff. So, so uh, I just so talked funny. about that all the time, which is not That's easy funny. for me because I'm not a great royal family fan. So I really didn't have a lot to say, but I kind of made something up and <laughs> made the drive fly by. Oh yeah, she was born with a tail, like just. <laughs> I like so, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, you're in London. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I interrupted there. Um, I forget how it's relevant, but I was going to say we went to Kew Gardens, or I did anyway, nice. and uh, I found out there are far more species of oak than I ever knew existed. And cool. the, uh, I think it was sweet chestnut trees mm-hmm. that are like super knobby and like look like they're out of a, some kind of storybook or like some kind of fantasy movie or something. <laughs> That's, they're like my new favorite tree now, the sweet chestnuts. They were all over the place. And they look so cool. Well, I have to say, over here, certainly this may just be me or it may just be English gardeners in general, but I'm very snooty about uh, oaks other than the English oak because you guys go nuts over, like, was it the holm oak and all that? And you think it's all really exciting. I'm like, that oak is just is just nothing compared to the English oak. I just really get all- <laughs> One of the very few times I get patriotic is when I see oaks in America and go, oh, you're so big up on your oaks. You, ugh, your oaks are nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love an English oak. Oh, I, I could just, never I live in America. American Their oaks oak are just really garbage. Well. <laughs> Um, I don't know why that is. I had an oak in my an oak tree, an English oak in my garden growing up, and I mm. very uh, much loved that tree. So that's probably why. But yeah, I find that those American oaks a little bit dull. But you know, I mean, <laughs> actually, about- the, the Twin Cities were an oak forest before the area was settled. Really? Isn't that correct, Dan? Don't you know I that tree guy? Don't tree guy, help me out here. That. I know. I mean, this area of Minnesota is kind of weird because our ecological zones there's about five that all come like really close together right right in this area so there's like savannah there's bog there's forest there's you know prairie Hmm. all right next to each other but i was gonna say though the thing i think the most impressive oaks that i've seen in america are like the live oaks down in louisiana Hmm. i don't know i don't know i'll I'll give those a little bit a little bit of um (laughs) A little bit of whatever. But they get, yeah. a, they yeah. get a pass. They get a B, but they don't, they're they not English oaks. So. No. I, and I have to say, I didn't really appreciate when I was in Louisiana all the amazing Spanish moss, which is just mm. incredible. Now yeah. that I know more yeah. about that plant, I'm 
uh, I've got, I've, I've I've got some too. Think, oh. <laughs> I tried to hang it uh, like a curtain across my kitchen window and <laughs> it kind of looked like something off of like the set of dinosaurs that like animatronics, you know, show from the 90s. And my mother-in-law's yeah. like, oh, looks like there'd be bugs in here. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marcy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think oftentimes we try to sort of recreate these things and then you actually see them in their real habitat and think, oh, yeah, that's why that that grows there, because it looks absolutely awesome. So, you know, we can only we can only attempt uh, our recreations in our little spaces. But, you know, it's 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 all good. You know, that's what is so wonderful about plants is that there is just such incredible variation and uh, plants that do incredible things. I mean, carnivorous plants i mean right. are just incredible i just saw something about a begonia that is it's not actually carnivorous but it's it, it has sticky parts which trap insects uh and of course one of the house plants that's hmm. very popular over here right now uh serapegia woodii the rosary vine um do you know that one it's got little mm-hmm. um round silvery leaves and the trail and it has a oh, little, gross of, little potato like tubers yes and the flowers on that are kind of weird and not very dramatic but they do catch flies to pollinate themselves so that they catch little uh, flies and uh they hold them in their flower until they've pollinated and then they let them go which i think is kind of amazing that is we're going to have botanists going no that's completely wrong but anyway they do trap insects <laughs> to, as pollinators um and i think that's that's just that just always blows my mind um so that's a that's a nice one and um you know there's always something new to learn isn't there that's the great yeah. thing about plants and i'm i what i like about doing my podcast is i'm always learning along with the audience like i'm not claiming to be to know everything or to you know be the world's expert on everything but the great thing is if i don't know i always know somebody who does know yeah <laughs> so uh, that's that's very handy um i've got a good network of experts on hand absolutely i i know that okay so i am trying you know to buzz up excitement about plants and growing things for millennials who live mm-hmm. in our zones because we're kind of restricted zones three Mm. four and five on the u.s map because it gets down to 20 below zero fahrenheit in in the winter time sometimes um you know probably we probably have at least 20 is it 10 or 20 days sub zero here uh Mm -hmm. probably uh 10 sounds probably more accurate but i feel like it's 20 that's what it feels like (laughs) Feels like we Feels like a out. million days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. So I'm trying to inspire my peers to give stuff a shot. So what do you think uh, helps get the UK so excited about plants? And are there any ideas that you wish Americans could adopt from, you know, the, the huge amount of, you know, videos and everything coming out of the BBC makes us look like we don't care at all? <laughs> And I'm uh, like, yeah, Come on. that's interesting. <laughs> I think there's loads of really, uh, there are loads of really good things. I, I think one of the things that, uh, getting into controversial ground here, I, I think Uh-oh. that yeah, there is there is a kind of attitude of gar of, of sort of thinking that when you're talking to millennials about gardening, that you've got to kind of dumb it down and go, oh, it's really mm. easy, and like let's not bother learning any Latin names, and let's just like it's just let's call it a plant and 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 kind of tr- kind of dumbing it down and i 
I kind of object to that because I think actually people in their teens and 20s and, and early 30s actually get hooked on this stuff as they start to learn more and actually they want to be they want to get knowledge and they want to, to to learn more so i kind of try to take a different approach and sorry this is not really answering your question but <laughs> i i think that's the the key for me is 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 that getting people into the right kind of books and information and websites that will actually we're totally we're totally guilty in of... their minds uh, but it also can be really easy so you know for example i always say to people right you you want to grow something indoors on your windowsill that's going to be a quick win so you go and buy a box of dried peas from your supermarket mm-hmm. the brand over here is called bigger <laughs> b-i-g-g-a i don't know what your dried peas brand is but you can research that under in your own time uh so you go and buy a box of dried peas from the supermarket and they don't have to be something you bought from a garden center just regular dried peas and you soak them in water for overnight and then you sow them in a thin layer of seed compost in like an old uh takeaway tray with some holes punched in the bottom Mm -hmm. and within a couple of weeks you've got pea shoots which if you go into like fancy schmancy oh yeah microgreens you're paying Mm -hmm. x you know dollars for that and actually you can grow those yourself super easily um and if you're growing those in the winter if you you know go to ikea and buy yourself a grow light then you can have those growing all year round and you can get several clips off them if you leave the bottom set of leaves and away you go and you can do things like you know microgreens so you can get stuff like go to your um um supermarket and find those brands that have the massive bags of spices of things like coriander and fenugreek Mm -hmm. and buy massive bags of those and sow those thickly as microgreens. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. They make, I mean, fenugreek is an incredible uh, thing to put fresh on curries if you buy a takeaway curry or make a curry and put those on the top. Dan's totally taking notes. are incredible. (laughs) Yeah, I am actually. That's awesome. Yeah, so that that those are kind of things. I think you know you want quick wins, don't you? When you first start, yeah, you don't want some confidence to you know send you in the right direction. Yeah, I, and then I, once I you've got the... hooked on that flavor and that and that incredible feeling of satisfaction, then you're on your way, and you will just hopefully take it from there and be inspired to to try new things. But I'm constantly amazed by the stuff that you know millennials are getting up to um, with plants, and you know. People who, like 10 years ago, I'd have said, there is no way that person's going to be into plants, are just, are just are getting in deep, right? They're really getting into this stuff and and either specializing in one thing or growing unusual things. It's just it's just amazing to see and, and very satisfying. And, you know, as somebody who's been into this since I was a little kid, it's nice to suddenly be, like, vaguely on trend. <laughs> the, in, it's, it's taken, like, 44 years, but, hey, it's quite exciting. I, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I am – as I was – I was and I still am a total square. So, you know, like, it, it's just a bit odd to me to be suddenly be the person who's not with the out-there ideas and that actually there's people doing way more strange things than me. Uh, it's quite comforting. <laughs> Oh, turns out I'm actually more normal than I thought. Huh. <laughs> I, was... oh, I don't know about. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Dan, do you have any more questions before I we have? Wrap a, up? I have a very lame question, but I 
figured as Are well, you going to end this on a low note? Dan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's my question. And the, I'm just looking yep. for like more, just kind of like more input, right? I'm wondering if you have, like, what are your suggestions or tips for low light houseplants? That's like uh, 10 well, episodes of really On the Ledge. That's a question. Just <laughs> <laughs> Dan. <laughs> about, like, apart from, like, Sansevieria and, like, kind of, like, the common ones, like. Right. Well, uh, I, well, I don't know whether I'm going to open this box of worms, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I am going on and on and on endlessly on my show about Aspidistras. Do you know of this plant? In fact, actually, when I, I, first I know of it because start- I Googled it after you were talking about, the, yeah. you know, let the aspidistras fly or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So this was the thing. I was going to call my show, keep the aspidistra flying. And then I was talking to an American and they were going, what, what, what is, what is? And I was like, oh, God, this reference has just gone totally. <laughs> and, and I realized that uh, it wasn't going to work on, on a global level. Uh, keep the aspidistra flying is the name of a book by a guy called George Orwell. Well, who also wrote 1984, which you probably heard oh, of, yes, yes, yes. Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. Also, anyway, he wrote this book called Keep the Aspidistra Flying. It's about middle class angst and things. And anyway, I just thought that'd be a really cool title for a blog until I realized that everyone was like, well, what? Anyway, but Aspidistras are just awesome plants and they are just so tough and they will survive in any light condition. So awesome. that is one big tip. And, you know, like, I mean, they're just as architectural as a fiddle leaf fig, you know, I mean, mm. uh, they're, they're great. Um, I think or really are are the really low light plants. Uh, let's rack my brains for really low light plants. Well, you know, I always say this, and it's kind of got a bit boring now. But the double Z plant, Zamiopolia. Uh, you know, look, there was a guy who had who I read a blog a while ago, and he had put his, his double Z plant in a closet with no windows for six months, and it was still alive when he got it out after six months. I think that proves that, that this plant is incredible. What, it will why grow would, a lot better. Did he do it to prove a point, or was he just forgot he? I can't you know, remember. Randomly I think he was trapped. moving around. I think it went into a storage unit or something, oh, and okay. then that makes he brought sense. it out. That so, sounds but, far but, less crazy. <laughs> but that's good. That's a good indication this plant is very tough. They will survive a lot of neglect. They won't look amazing, but they will survive low light. And there are a couple of new cultivars coming through of that plant, um, which one of which has got very dark leaves, which is kind of fun, called Raven. So oh. if you're a bit of a goth person. You talked I got- <laughs> to Eric from Epic Gardening about that, right? The yeah. dark yeah. ones? Okay. Yeah, so that that's out. a good. Like, so I got a question on Twitter the other day. I don't know if you have many goths. You must have goths in America, of course you do. Uh, they're uh, emo now. Plants, <laughs> black plants, right? So that's oh, another yeah. little vein. Lots of millennials are well, some goth millennials are going down. So that that's a really cool plant, anyway, and um, really super easy. Just my only tip with that is keep the leaves dusted with a mm. damp cloth because it can look really sad if it gets all dusty. Uh, but that will survive pretty much anything in the way of low light. And then you've got things like uh, my one of my least favorite plants, the peace lily. Right. <laughs> I really don't like peace yeah. lilies. Uh, but that that will do do okay in those kind of conditions as well. Do you like the peace lilies that have the different colored spades, like the reds and the purples and stuff like that? Or just any peace lily is just a bit of a. It's one of those plants I just can't quite bring myself to like. I kind of, I've had a few, and I just tend to put them up on a high cupboard, and then go, "Oh, 
oh no, they've died. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> my mum really likes them, so I shouldn't criticise them. My mum was devastated when my dad uh, accidentally sprayed uh, their piece. They're very large and good-looking peace lily with. I can't think what it was now. I think it was either. I think it was weed killer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So yeah, or paint. It might have been even paint. I can't remember anyway. They got they got two two um sprayers mixed up and yeah, oh, my mum no. was devastated. But oh no. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, so so that that's another one. But it, it's it's horses of course and you know, till recently I was very I'd gone off African violets for about thirty years mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I've kind of got back into them again. So there you go. It can happen. I'll I'll post my sad African violets with the half dead plants hashtag. Oh do, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean how do you well, are you overwatering it? Is it too cold? Uh, you probably overwatering it. I think I go between like underwatering it and then I try to soak the Bloody plant it. and then right. it, you know, I'll this set is a the common thing. It. Yeah, you think, okay, I haven't watered it for six months. Right now, I'm just gonna keep flood it with water and keep watering and and think that's gonna. Yeah, that's a common that's a common issue. And you know. I mean, I give out all this advice about watering and then I, um, you know, about how not how to do it. And then, you know, my husband comes in and I'm splashing water all over the place. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I, I, yeah, it's, I'm not, uh, I should pay more attention to my own advice, really. But um, yeah, life happens, right? So things do, do. Yeah. And a lot of houseplants are very tolerant. It just, just don't grow the ones that are super sensitive to changes uh is is if you're if you're a bit of a irregular waterer but you know the gesneriad family african violets and streptocarpus and Mm -hmm. charitas and things should be quite tolerant to being dry but they just don't like being waterlogged so they're good for people who don't water a lot i did just pick up some uh plant spikes so i can hopefully a couple of plants that are kind of water uh really hungry (laughs) Just what's the term? What's the term Thirsty. I'm thinking of? There's oh, <laughs> I was gonna say like I'm feeling water hungry. <laughs> I was like high high maintenance is the term that I was gonna say. Like they're just very water demanding. I have these hot pink um, uh, blood leaf irisine. And they're the first ones to wilt, so I know when I know when I need to water because the prima donnas are wilting. So yeah, that's a really that. good idea to have that sort of canary in the mine, <laughs> that type of thing. So you know when it's all going to go pear shaped because they're. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. I hadn't thought of that. That's true. That's why we should why we should grow maiden hair ferns, right? Because you know, I can't, really, I can't they keep are it the alive. very first to wilt. Uh, I tried when they so hard. Steady water. They must be extra delicious because I could not keep the cat out of that at all. He, oh, really? Yeah, yeah he loved okay. ripping it apart. It was he, he gets pleasure, and he also likes to take a like Cislandia, like little air plants, and rip them apart, mm. arm after arm. He's just he's kind of brutal, but I think yeah. I'm gonna have to give up on sadistic. air plants and maiden hair ferns in my <laughs> whatever. That's. That's totally fine. Well, Jane, do you have any questions for us that we can wrap wrap this up with? Or how do you survive being in minus twenty? I just don't know mm. how you actually get through the winter and um, get come out the other side of it. Do you have to? Do you <laughs> see over here? People think that people think they can grow things like tree ferns and then wrap them up in winter with a bit of fleece, and it's mm-hmm. going to be okay. Which most of the time it is here, but I imagine over there you can't really. 
do anything. Like you, a bit of fleece isn't going to work if it's minus twenty. Do you no. do you have to take extreme measures to protect things in winter? I think it's assumed that a lot of unless it's a tree or a shrub, odds are it's going to die. Yeah, I think that's kind of like right. most people's general understanding. And then you can explain to them, well, certain things, you know, you can kind of like rose bushes, like there's things you can do to, you know, yeah, put a bucket the, over the them tip, or whatever The it tip is. method. Yeah, yeah. So to keep roses alive, there's a term called the Minnesota tip that <laughs> sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but what they do is they actually dig up the roses and bury them sideways so that they're like eight inches deep in soil. So oh, wow. when the frost line starts going down, it doesn't uh, kill the crown of the of the roses and i think they developed that they're in zone three like way further north than the twin cities yeah so. i know mm. we, we used to be a zone three like we used to be a zone three b i think like 10 years ago yeah maybe 20 years ago i don't know we but, yeah. so we basically a lot of herbaceous perennials are good to go and they come back um mm-hmm. but how do we survive when it's nasty out i don't know there's a lot of, like uh, we are we are not a thin people we drink <laughs> yeah we eat a lot yeah i was gonna say basically booze and food are getting you through booze, yeah. food, I understand that. netflix you know, we all put on video a few games of the winter months that's understandable yeah. um yeah that's that's interesting about the roses though i that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm just thinking like just don't grow too. roses what do you <laughs> does it, how hot does it get in summer though does it get like what your is it does it get seriously hot when you yeah, do get some pretty hot it gets we probably have a few days that are around 100 degrees, but I'd say it's mm. 80s and 90s. Yeah. What yeah. is that Celsius? 30 something. We've already covered that. 30, we don't know that that degrees. math. Yeah. <laughs> I know body yeah. temperature is like 30 no, something. I can, something yeah, so. I can roughly work that. I can roughly imagine that temperature. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, that's, that's 32 that's Celsius. There we one. go. 32 okay. Celsius. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's, that's, that's reasonable. That, that gives you a bit of a, bit of heat but yeah i I just think that yeah why would you bother burying roses that just sounds like really hard work (laughs) well people i mean i love roses but i wouldn't grow them if that was the situation there's also the japanese that's all prickly that you're gonna it's gonna try to attack you as you try to (laughs) put it in a trench you know uh, i mean there's a shrub called i think it's Barberry? Oh, I hate Barberry? those. Yeah, that they're invasive really now. Are they? Yeah, I ripped I gonna, mine out. I was going to grow some as hedges just to poke people, <laughs> keep them out, get out of my yard. Well, there's a whole there is a whole industry around. You know, over here, burglar, di- oh. um, you know, burglar. Di- uh, re- what's the word burglar um deterrent repulsion deterrent that's the word so people grow a lot of pyracantha here which is the fire thorn um which Mm. is very thorny and a very good uh wildlife plant but also good at deterring thieves and um i have a feeling that the barberry is edible so you got you've got yourself an ornamental edible right there if you're growing that so that's I got about. tired of being stabbed when I'm trying to garden, so <laughs> I got really angry and grabbed a spade and was like, "Get the heck out of here!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, that's yeah, that's a, that's a good one. But um, the other one that is grown over here, which I don't know if you guys ever ever eaten, is um, which you must have because it's got an American name: the Oregon grape Mahonia. The berries of that make really good jelly. Have you ever tried Mahonia jelly? uh, I haven't tried that yet. We have um, the University of Minnesota here does a grape breeding program with some of the local grape varieties 
compared to, you know, the yeah. the classic grape varieties. So we are starting to get good at grapes. Like wine grapes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, they are if you can't get hold of grape grapes then these um oregon grapes mahonia berries they're tiny they're about the size of um a pea but they're very very bitter in raw state my son as a toddler used to love eating them raw because that's really? what i think toddlers do <laughs> but they're incredibly bitter but um or tart rather rather than bitter uh, but in a jelly they're really great if you can't get your jam to set you can add a few of these and they, they set it makes it set really well because it's full of pectin nice um oh. So uh, that's a little, another little foraging tip for you there. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing you've got to, you've got to, I think you've got to take account of your environment. And, you know, if you're, if you're in an environment like yours, then don't make life so hard for yourself. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's just torture to think about people burying roses. But anyway, they they think they're quite clever. They they think they've got a life hack. Like, ah, we can have roses too. Ha ha. Just spend a few days or a few weeks. <laughs> digging them up. I think one of the nice things about um, gardening this far north is that so much dies that you get to start over. But also the year. bugs and stuff die too. So yeah, a lot of the bugs. There's nothing poisonous here. Oh, that actually sounds like a massive bonus. Yeah. But I bet you don't have a problem. Do you have scarlet lily beetle over there? That is a really I've bad never heard pest. Of that, no. And it's one of these things that lies in that that is. Um, in the in the ground around your lily plants and then they emerge and they're the most beautiful bright red beetle but the larvae are the most disgusting things on earth <laughs> we Pause. fight we Here's fight mostly the japanese you, you beetle this? Is, this, is this um basically the larvae poo and then they cover themselves in their own poo as camouflage <laughs> you want so me come and get me i hope you like poop <laughs> So basically, when you see the leaves, you see, oh, you think, oh, there's poo all over the leaves. But actually, underneath the poo is the larvae. So you have to clean off the larvae and the poo. And we don't fight that. The adult adult beetles as well. No, we don't fight that. We just have those shiny, iridescent Japanese beetles that destroy roses and other random stuff. That's probably the worst that we've got right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. That there's always up. some pest, isn't there, to challenge yeah. uh, life? Yeah. But you know, I mean, I think I, I, I kind of think it's all part of the circle of life. I crush my um, scarlet lily beetles and then I leave them out for the birds, and you know, somebody benefits. <laughs> there you it's, go. All good. <laughs> it's just recycling, right? Just yeah, carcass exactly. recycling. It's fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Jane, this has been awesome. I I appreciate you spending some time with yeah. us to just, you know, talk around plants and passions and stuff like that, to put it in a goofy way. Talk an absolute rub- load pile of rubbish about plants. No, I, I love doing it. <laughs> I'm glad that I've managed to get a few things off my chest that I haven't been able to talk about on my podcast because they're not strictly um, uh, uh, houseplant related. So it's, it's all good. And um, yeah, I've, I've ranted about the winter. That's good. I've got that off my chest. I feel better <laughs> you're so preaching to the choir with with rants so yeah well awesome thank you so much and we'll yeah. we'll end it there brilliant thank you thanks for listening to verdant north find our blog posts online at, at verdantnorth.net you can find us on twitter at, at verdant north and you can find us on facebook by searching verdant north if you want to contact us but hate social media you can email us at verdantnorthteam at gmail.com that's verdant north team at gmail.com spelled as it sounds all lowercase you can hear this podcast through soundcloud itunes stitcher or google play music don't forget to like rate comment and share the podcast 
The more likes, ratings, comments we receive, the more visible this podcast becomes. We don't pay for advertising, and we don't have any networks backing us. This is all us. So sharing our show with your friends and family is the only way we get heard. If you like what you're listening to and you know feel like you want to contribute, since we don't have anybody who's advertising or part of any network, you can definitely donate to us at coffee.com slash North. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash North. It's a way you can contribute uh, three bucks at a time if you feel like uh, we earn that place in your wallet. Um, hopefully that you're having fun and that you want to support what we do here. Any little bit helps contribute to paying for the hosting, to drinks from uh, Nikki, all these wonderful things. Uh, any little bit helps. You can find Caroline Holstrom on Twitter at, at Miss O-Line. That's Miss Zero Line. You can find Dan Hanson on Twitter at, at Verdant Dan. And you can find our guest, Jane Perrone, on Twitter at, at Jane Perrone and on her podcast, On the Ledge, through your trusted podcast service. You can find me on Twitter at Marlin underscore Rando. You can also hear me on the Scattered Podcast, also available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Extra special thanks to Brietta Stead and Dewey Vu for graphics and artwork. And an extra big thanks to our webmaster, Cora Hartung, for making sure we exist on the web. As always, a thanks to Minneapolis band Volcanus for allowing us to use their tunes. Follow their hilarious video blog project on YouTube and listen to them in arch-rival band Prozac Rat on Bandcamp, YouTube, and find them on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and always remember, it's okay to kill plants. Hello, my name is Jane Perrone, and I'm the host of a podcast called On The Ledge. If you've ever wondered where you've gone wrong with that spider plant that's turning yellow or despaired over your dead Venus flytrap, then this is where my podcast comes in because On Ledge is all about houseplants, indoor gardening, how you can keep your plants alive inside. I've been obsessed with houseplants since I was a little kid, but there's still loads for me to learn. So come along and learn with me. I talk to the experts, help to answer your houseplant problems and struggle over Latin names. On the Ledge is available on all good pod apps and you can check out my website at janeperone.com.